0: More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at Sojourntulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N, tulsaorg dot org. What, what is it that you've learned and that you've seen in the book of Acts? What has the Holy Spirit been revealing to you in the, in the book of Acts? And so obviously what we don't mean by that is that, you know, um, uh, something that, the writer Luke and the author God, the Holy Spirit, um, would would not want us to walk away with like just. Well, it means anything to anyone. That's that's not the writer's intent. And so, uh, to think through as we've went through it together with some guided thoughts, some guided messages. Um, what have we seen? What, what are some things that you've seen that you can take and apply from the Book of Acts? So, we wanted to do a little summary at the end of this to um, bring that together. Um, and especially um, when you stop in the middle of a book and kind of want to look back over the last few weeks. So um, think through this. Here's, here's one thing that may help. Um, if we step back from our human perspective, we're humans. We, 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 we do this thing called the church worship service. We come, we expect there to be... A sermon, and we we sing some songs, and uh, we gather together. We may gather during the week uh, together for fellowship, and again, some time to get into the Word, to pray together. We do the Lord's Supper. But think through from if you want to step back from a bigger picture, think through even other beings, angelic beings. Think through um, just from from heaven's view there that at this point, what we're, we're seeing is Jesus has died on the cross, and now. God is doing this new revelation that all of the Old Testament, all of those rituals, all those sacrifices, all of the the the, the stories about um, God's goodness and God's provision, and then man's sin, and then what will God do in response to that? And all of heaven, and even God himself, from his perspective, it, it's probably like I, I'm going to crash the earth with this tidal wave, with this tsunami of the most just overwhelming outpouring of my love. So those songs that we just sang, uh, just that idea of uh, us being in darkness. Um, So it's not just about us gathering, sitting in seats, listening to this talk. Does it help me? Does it not? No, God was flooding the earth with his salvation for the first time. And they didn't even understand it's all pointed and all specifically in Christ. And then here's this new idea, the church that's going to worship Jesus. And it's going to be the, the the one figure, the one the the cross being the one event in human history. And all of that coming out at this point. And so we we so we need to step back and be a little bit more appreciative uh, of what God's doing here just flooding his earth and, and like those tsunamis remember when they would hit. Um, whether it's that 50 60 foot huge wave or that when I was growing up that's what you heard about a tsunami. Or what you saw with Indonesia and those different areas in India where the tsunami would hit, and it looked like it was three or four feet. But what did it do? It washed in and just kept coming and kept coming and completely saturated everything and just stayed. And that's what God's doing here. So from his perspective, the book of Acts is going, now my church is going to do that. With my love. The whole point of that is not this technical, um, very um, formal thing of meet on this day, go through these rituals. It was going, no, I'm trying to get my love across to you. My son and the cross is the most visible. And, and tangible thing I can do is to send my son. So we, we sometimes get removed with that and we're, we're making it all these little bitty steps and the steps are all to point us to him. And so that's what God's doing here. So I'm um, thinking through what have we seen about the believers this far into Acts, um, this new thing called the church. What would you say were some fitting characteristics or titles and so some that I just threw out there, and it's not. this is not an exhaustive list, but just thinking through witnesses. We know we, we really emphasize that. Um, Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses. So they were definitely witnesses. We saw guys getting in trouble for being a witness to Christ. Um, also, worshipers. We saw worship going on. Um, ambassadors. Um, not necessarily um, what 2 Corinthians 5 is talking about as far as um, uh, the, like a, a clarity to that level because that, that isn't there yet, but they were being an They were being sent out by the new king. And remember, the authority of an ambassador is as if the king is standing beside me. So if I'm I'm in the king's castle and I'm sent out to a new area, I go out and I represent the king. I tell about the king's law and the king's rule and the king's goodness to the people. And, and you're not supposed to throw tomatoes at me or eggs at me because it's supposed to be as if the king is standing beside me. I'm the king's representative. So that's what the church was becoming, these places where we're representing Christ. Now, we know we fail at that incredibly. Um, that's one of the biggest things that you know lost culture wants to say is, well, you're all hypocrites. We, we should say, you're exactly right. And, and actually, it's worse than you even know. Uh, but, but we're pointing you to Christ. And so... Um, ambassadors, servants. We saw Jesus coming to show it's about servant leadership. And why is that? When you're on the top end and someone's serving you, you may receive the feeling of love, but if you're the one who's on the bottom and that you're ending up serving other people, it can be a beautiful expression of love for for no reason. Like, it's not that they deserved it. And so serving was this idea of even though you disciples don't necessarily deserve this, I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to put myself below you. I come to serve. And so servants, um, missionaries, we we saw them in Acts 8. We're going to see um, in the next three or four um, chapters there as the church, Paul and Barnabas, and and their team starts doing uh, church planting and missions. And so they're being sent out there. Um, Also, you saw kind of this internal idea of the family, a family of God, um, a body they were sojourners. They were, they were recognizing and realizing. So it's not about just getting in one place and staying there. The gospel may drive us to other places. We saw where the gospel is becomes this focus point, and then Jesus becomes this focal point. And Jesus was saying, hey, you're, you're going to be witnesses in, in this area, and then this area, and then this area. Along with Matthew 28, you're going to make disciples in different places. And so um, those are the, the things that he's bringing out. And then um, just just disciples also, learning to follow and live for Jesus. And think about this, for them, Jesus had always been present. This was a new thing. Now we're following and listening and obeying Jesus who was with us, and now he's ascended. So that's a completely different thing. Um, So the key verse we've hit many times, we need to understand God's heart for mission in that is soul's. What he was coming after is not just to give people bread because they were hungry. Yes, that would be a loving thing to do. But beyond their physical, we've got to get to the, the, the deeper level of souls, the deeper level of eternal things. And so I'm um, thinking through that, so Acts 1-8 there, we've said is the theme verse. And from that point on, Luke is just kind of rolling out what that looks like, that the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to give power and the power, we learned, was specifically a bold proclamation of the gospel. Not necessarily signs and wonders. The signs and wonders was not the power. The the, power from the, whole, the, the real power is a change of a person's soul from a dead, darkened soul to, to alive in God, as Ephesians 2 talks about. And so that's the power. He's going to give you power for bold proclamation about that. Um, and then um, as you're doing that, you're going to be my witnesses And you're going to go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that's why we're here where we're at now. And so um, the gospel was a central part where it is news. And sometimes we forget about that, that it is news. The people around you, um, I had three or four situations this week where people kind of gave their understanding of what, what church is about or what Jesus is about, and they missed it a whole lot. They missed what the church is about. They missed what Jesus was trying to do. They missed what their role is. Um, they're just like, well, I think we just, you know, we, we try to live the best we can. And, uh, you know, God will reward us in the end. Well, that, that's not necessarily the gospel. <laughs> you know, that, that's nothing about God and the, what he has accomplished, what he has done. That's all about what how good I do on my list, and my list will be different from yours. And so that it's news of a message from God about what Christ has completed In our place for souls. And so, also, that brings in the kingdom. So, we've learned the kingdom is here because the new king has come and landed on the earth. He ascended, and he said, It's not yet fully there, but it's there. You, church, you're a representation of that. So, it's already here, but not fully. And so, um, as we look at this last section, uh, this this summary, I wanted to read uh, Acts chapter 1, just 1 through 11, just kind of a, a focal point. And then we'll pray, and then we'll just cover a few um, things to think through as a summary in part one of Acts. And so um, let's read um, chapter 1, 1 through 11. Remember, this is Luke. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all the things that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So just those things that we've just talked about previously. I just brought up those kind of summary statements. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so, as that picture ends, the church age begins. And still we're waiting 2,000 years later for his return. So it's not over. He's still building the kingdom of God. He's still spreading the gospel through the Spirit and through his church. So let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word that guides us. We thank you that you gave us um, pictures and illustrations and stories that are true, that are uh, without error, that are accurate that are from your very heart, that you knew would help us and would encourage us and would give us vision of what our lives are supposed to be about. Um, God, thank you for your overwhelming, flooding love that you poured out in Christ on the cross, that you wanted us to understand that's what the church was supposed to look like. Um, Thank you so much that you have given us the freedom here in our own country, to be able to gather together without fear of some of the persecutions we've seen in the early church there in Acts. Thank you that we have the freedoms right now to gather together, that that it's not against the law to worship you, to praise you, to have Bibles, to read Bibles, to talk to others at any time about you. We thank you for that freedom, and we, we praise you that when you said to the ends of the earth, that was in our area, that was where we come from, that your gospel has made it to us, but God, help us to remember that your gospel is still on its way to other people. There are many, many, many lost in darkness, lost in confusion on who Jesus is, on what the church is, lost on what Christianity is. And we pray that you would use us. Would you allow the Spirit to come in more power for, for more beautiful proclamation, um, not just in from a pulpit on Sunday, but in our lives through the week, Monday through Saturday, um, that the people around us would, would see those things and that they would um, end up giving their hearts and their lives to Christ. We thank you for what you've given us in this study of Acts, and we pray that you'd help us to glean more and more understanding. In your name we pray, amen. So um, uh, just in a quick summary, we're not going to go over each chapter, or we're not going to hit verses in each chapter, but just a quick overview of what we've covered just so you can kind of take mental notes. Chapter one, if you remember, we saw just what we read, Jesus giving his last words. He ascended, but along with that, the the powerful part of Acts 1-8 that I've continued to repeat, but remember, he's coming soon. Uh, I grew up in a time period where that was, uh, you know, very much emphasized every Sunday morning, and Dawson McAllister and different ones. So, if you're a young person, sadly, uh, that that's not emphasized. And there is an urgency. Uh, there is an urgency for us believers. We need to think through. There should be an urgency. Um, it's not manipulating or pressuring people, but it's an urgency to truly share with people, um, we're concerned about your eternal state. That's the most loving thing we can do. And so for young people, if there's not being books written about that or um, there's not being um, all these things that are using fear tactics, but it is a reality. If he he came back today, which he could, um, is your soul, is your heart in the right place? Um, Just because you're in church, um, not just young people, little kids, adults. Is your heart in the right place? If Christ were to come back, he said, he told us, just like everything else, like, why, why are we shocked when it, something happens? And he said, I, I told you, this is what's going to happen. He gave lots of warnings, saying, hey, there's going to be someone working in the field, and two people working in the field, and one's taken, one's not. There's going to be people that are doing, going through with being married and having life and, and having children, and then one's going to be taken and one's not. And he's, he's saying, um, if you knew what time the thief was going to come you would prepare, but the thief comes in the middle line. So in the same way, your heart needs to be thinking through, where's my heart at with God? Am I living in a a worshipful, grateful, appreciative state of worship, or have I just let my faith just either dwindle, or I never really had saving faith? And so um, that's kind of left out nowadays. And so the reality is he is coming back. Acts 1 leaves us with Jesus leaving the earth, and he still hasn't come back. And, and the rest of the New Testament gives um, very clear declaration that he is coming back. So um, chapter 2, um, the biblical understanding of what God was doing. First, I hope that you guys learn so we can kind of all be on the same page, that that we don't have to be scared of Acts chapter 2, um, the gift of tongue, or not the gift of tongues, the tongues that hits there, um, it, it's, it's actually... Um, literal languages. It is actually intellectual languages. It was not um, a type of gibberish that they were just speaking. It was languages from other nations and, and cities and countries where the listeners, the hearers were going, hold it. I'm from outside of Jerusalem, from outside of Galilee. Those Galilean hicks, they're not educated. They would not know our language, but I hear them talking about the works of God, what Jesus had done. And that that was a powerful thing. That is not the same as Acts. The gift of I'm sorry. That's not the gift. The same as the gift of tongues in First uh, Corinthians twelve and fourteen, and in other places. And so I hope that we don't have to be fearful of that. But those um, signs and miracles were to get people's attention to listen to the message. There's no way that I should be able to understand what they're saying, but they're speaking my language, and they don't even know my language. So that was what God was doing. And it was a flooding. Of God's gospel and he did that purposely he he wanted to get a a wide expansion out there just on on the immediate situation and then secondly just a biblical understanding of the church in Acts chapter 2 he also brought up some of the early characteristics commitment to one another um, commitment to hearing and studying submitting to God's Word Um, they were devoted to the apostles teaching Um, think through that some people forget they didn't have Matthew through Revelation So what was the apostles' teaching? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were thinking through and going back through the Old Testament, going, oh, this is Jesus, this is Jesus. Jesus is fulfilling all these things. So the apostles' teaching was being formed. God was giving revelation, and things that Jesus has taught now has become. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, um, the other books of the the New Testament. They didn't have all that. The apostles' teaching was some of the same things that we're learning as those things started getting written down. Commitment to fellowship with the body. Um, time together, meals together, lo- the Lord's Supper, prayer, um, baptism, caring for and helping each other's needs. We saw that in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. Um, and then also in chapters 3, 4, and 5, we saw those miracles um, where God was working, and then we saw the gospel was being proclaimed, but we saw that there was warfare. There was persecution. Um, remember this, where, where, um, where God is working and trying to do things, there's going to be intense spiritual warfare. When the church gets off and becomes focused on whatever, but it's not central on the gospel, it's not central on entrusting in God's Word, and central on having a discipleship going on. When, when it gets off, Satan doesn't have to do much. Man, they're so deluded and comfortable and self-seeking. Man, their, their church leadership got them focused for eight years about money. Or the new building fund, or the the pastor's new book book that he's written, and they've got to all pay for it. Or um, celebrity status, or or hype and feeling. Just just oh God, I, I love coming and just getting the feel the chill bumps in these four or five songs that we sing. Satan's like, hey demons, hey back up, they've lost it. They're worshiping air there. They're not. They're they're worshiping their own feelings. But we're we're we're, we're difficult things are happening where where the kingdom of God is trying to break into dark areas, man, there is going to be spiritual warfare, incredible spiritual warfare, internally and externally. We saw internally Ananias and Sapphira, right? Um, Hey, let's let's do some worship here. Boom, dead. And so false worship doesn't work out. Externally, the Jewish leaders, the the priests, come in and attacking. So that was three, four, and five. We saw persecution early on. Chapter six, continued growth. But remember chapter six, what happened? Um, the, the Hellenist widows are being ignored. So, hey, you know what? This isn't just for the apostles. We need the rest of the body to take care of some of these physical needs. So we saw the first deacon situations of serving those needs. And they were not second class. They were not JV people. They were just, just as gifted in some areas. But the apostles were selected by Jesus. And so um, this is not a, a ranking of, of, of who's a better or more intellectual or more godly. Stephen? Great example of just the way we can be in the church, just, just deacons serving. And so you saw shared ministry happening. So another, another glimpse of God going, it's not going to be a priest. So when you think through, Jamie and I got to go to a graduation, and we did a mass for an, over an hour. And the boys were just kind of blown away because we don't know all the little things when the guy stands up and says certain things, and they do the little kneelers, and people bow down, and they they say these little, they have these recitations that they do. And so our boys are kind of like, you know, what is this? We, we don't know what we're doing here. And so it feels awkward in a, in a Roman Catholic Mass. And remember, that was all about priests were in this elevated, escalated um, position and then um, from Peter on, it was all about whoever those high priests are, they're the ones doing all the ministry. The people just receive. Instead of the church was going to be about, no, no, the body of Christ is out there serving. And so that happens in different ways. And then chapter 7, one of those witnesses stands up and he's martyred because he proclaims the gospel. And so um, chapter 8, then we saw as we barely got into it, just as persecution hits, God uses it to take the gospel and the kingdom into Judea and Samaria. So now the kingdom of God has crossed the line and is going into a new area. Lots of different languages, lots of different cultures, lots of different people groups, um, which fits with all those Psalms that talk about that, which fits all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant, um, which fits all the way into Revelation, that people, languages, they're all going to be worshiping Jesus. And so some beautiful things just through those first really seven chapters. Um, I put up there Luke's intent. Also, the first one is um, one of the things that if you step back on a broader view, and this is extremely important. Also, two two times this week, I've had conversations about the errancy or inerrancy of Scripture. Luke was purposely saying, I've got a detailed account. This is accurate. You can, you can trust in this message that I'm talking about. I know it seems crazy, but you can trust in this because I talked to eyewitnesses, the ones that were walking with Jesus, saw these things. We conferred with you know, three or four people. Are you sure that's exactly what happened? Okay, I'm going to have a detailed account. I'm taking very accurate notes on this. Why? And why is it such a big deal if people don't believe in heresy? Because it's the eternal state of your soul. Why would I say that, you know, so think through this. Well, let me, let me go through. So first of all, let's go through the other three of these. So first one, it, this is trustworthy. It's true. Luke's intent was going, I'm telling you, I'm giving you truth. And your eternal salvation rests on this truth. Secondly, this is Jesus continuing to work through the Holy Spirit. So it's not now about mankind being the Savior. It's still Jesus working and the Holy Spirit working. Third, we, we talk many times about the transitions and significance. And then fourth, the time is now for us to consider our role in God's redemptive history. So that first one there, um, thinking that original audience, uh, Luke's intent, um, they were completing the canon. So he wanted them to understand this is true. Jesus predicted this, then it all happened. There were eyewitnesses, all these things. The apostles are saying, it is trustworthy, there are no errors. And, and again, Why? because your eternal life um, depends on this veracity and truth. So you don't want a weak, dumb, short-sighted God who for a few hundred years, his word was legitimate, but as mankind, began to grow in enlightenment and grow in their understanding and grow in their thinking. They come to a point where they were, you know, evolved to where, oh, this used to work for mankind. It no longer applies. That's a really dumb, stupid God. That is not the God of the Bible. That's an ignorant, and you you don't want to say this in the first 10 seconds with people, when they start going like, oh, well, the Bible just has the errors in it. But like, it's a really, really ignorant stance because of the fact um, that, that, that that's not even the God of the Bible. How, why do I get to pick and choose? If this God is so weak that he couldn't even know every single human that's going to be ever born, like we know that he, he knows in the womb, he's forming them. If he doesn't know the future, um, it's just an ignorant stance because l- let, me, let me remind you, if, if you just do a little bit, I mean like maybe 20 minutes of church history, For the last 20 centuries, guess what? People have struggled with doing this. Hey, you know what? There's a group of us who believe that the ways of the Bible just doesn't fit our lifestyle. I want to live the way I want to live, and that doesn't apply anymore. Now, there's parts of it. I like the part where I think of heaven, and I think of God being so nice and kind, and I love the idea of forgiveness, but the forgiveness isn't needed on this area of my life because this isn't sin anymore. Uh, we've changed, we've evolved. God just didn't know we were going to become so wise. So what what are we doing? We're creating a God in our own image. We're we're kind of peers with him. And now I dictate back to God, hey, we've evolved. I have some desires that God didn't see coming. And in those desires, now his word doesn't fit up with that. So I'm just going to say, oh, his his word's off on that. And so youth, kids, kids, this has been historically, it has happened every two or three centuries. It's not new. So we don't have to be fearful and shocked uh, when people come and say, well, well, well there's, there's, there's some errancy problems. Um, you don't want a small God like that. Um, he knows everything. And so he knew that there was going to be several times in the history of the church when people's desires, whether that was with, with man and woman, it's happened repeatedly through church history. With sexuality, from leaderships in the church, from leaderships of governments, it's happened repeatedly. Um, 20, you know, 2020 or 2015 or, or year 2000 was not the first time when government leaderships and church leaderships um, said, hey, it's okay to practice these other lifestyles that the Bible's very, very clear about, and then they're going to change it and say, well, that doesn't apply anymore. That, that, so we shouldn't be shocked. Church history just says, no, that has always happened. It's my desires don't line up with God's word, therefore, let's change God's word. That's a small, stupid God that is not the God of the Bible. That is not at all. And so, again, don't start with your friends at work or your neighbor with like, well, that's a really stupid, ignorant stance you have. Like, don't, that's not sentence one, right? But just ask questions like, hey, have you ever read through history? Man, this happens all the time happens It's always a small minority that has a very loud voice or they get prominent power and that's what happens. And then the rest of the the community has to go, oh, we have to struggle through that for a while. But that's not the God of the Bible. God and his word have not changed. It may not fit with what we want. And you and I as believers, we we struggle with that, don't we? These things that our our minds or hearts get off on, uh, little tangents that we can get off on. It's not an issue of God being misinterpreted. It's not a problem with God and his Bible being out of touch um, with human growth or enlightenment. God is not dull. And so Luke was saying, I'm telling you this is true. Most loving thing I can tell you. In the same way, we can go, hey, I know that you feel that way, and you're trying to say um, that, well, that part of the Bible that talks about my lifestyle, that's wrong, or my gender, or my view on marriage, or my view on life, like, that has happened repeated through history. Just so that's just to secure our hearts to go, man, I can still talk to them. Jesus, all through the church, Jesus and the Holy Spirit were inserting themselves in those situations when these debates were going on. That should encourage us. And God was going, I'm going to flood the earth with my love and make it very clear about Christ and his love. So very important, this is true. As miraculous and supernatural as it may seem, Um, I know we're talking about this peasant-type guy who was killed on the cross, and your salvation depends on it, but the Word is not changing. God's Word, He's not dull. And so um, this is the kingdom of God intersecting with our physical world, and our physical world is filled with sinful people with sinful hearts and sinful desires that are not going to add up to God's Word and we just have to have a calm stance to say, we're not changing our stance on God's word. No matter what culture, no matter what the law, no matter what the government says, and, and you young people really have to think through. There are probably, and I'm, I'm 50, and so the, there hasn't been huge changes in 50 years. There, in, in the 50, 70 years before I was born, not huge changes. In the next 20 to 30 years, there could be some huge changes as far as the way America looks at church, uh, freedom of that, religion, um, all those type of things. God's word has not changed. He's not changed. We've got to be able to stand on that. And Luke was going, I'm telling you, this is the truth about him. And so that, that's hard. Um, the second thing is Jesus is continuing to work. Um, in, in Acts 1 that we just read there, it's tied to um, this idea that it's, it, this is true, but this is still Jesus working. He said, Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, and the idea there is Jesus is continuing to work. When when Jesus here in chapter um, nine there with, with Paul, what does he say? And um, he blows uh, uh, Paul off Saul off the horse and says, "Why are you persecuting me? Not those people. Why are you persecuting me? That that's me. That's my body. And so it's Jesus that's working there through the Holy Spirit. Um, so those are some powerful things. Um, now we're seeing Jesus work through the Holy Spirit. It's not a story of how great humans can work together. Uh, we don't want to spread that in Tulsa. We don't want God's, uh, what we do want is God's fame and power to be spread. Um, that can, has the power to captivate people's hearts. Um, not, um, not. You know, here, here's how great this church is doing, or here's how great we're serving, or here, here's how, how, how entertaining or hyped and, 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 and uh, titillating this can be to come to this thing. No, we want it to be about God and his power. And his glory, we just sung about that, uh, that, that in, in our weakness, that he shows himself strong. Um, so I, I think that that's what your heart wants. You're part of this ugly, small church plant. I think that's what we're wanting God to do is go, God, we want to see you work. We don't even know. We don't want to put parameters on what that looks like. But God, we want to see you bring in lost people. We want to see you show yourself powerful and mighty. And maybe it looks different than what we've even seen around the city of Tulsa as far as what a church looks like. But would you, would you start with my heart? Would you start with revival and truth in my heart? Give me repentance. Give me confession. Give me renewal in the spirit. And let me learn to rest in you, not, not my lists. And so those are some beautiful things. Um I got an email, this was this is actually back, this is back in Slack. Um, when you think through all these miracles and all these things that we saw in the Book of Acts, again we we, we kind of think, well, that that's that's an Acts and it happened then, but it didn't happen. It's not happening around me. So this is in Harbor Network, our, our church planting network. So this was to all the lead pastors, and so this is one of the pastors writer about Easter. He said, "Hey, I don't know what you guys spent your Easter Monday doing, but I was violently casting out a demon." So that grabs your attention. You know, he's like, and, and of course, all of us are like, okay, what does this look like? And so he says, so this is one of the guys in Harbor Network. said, it's a wild story. We had a guy named Eric visiting our church for the past month. He's had some kind of weird things that he says from time to time. Last week he wrote me and said that he really wants to give his life to Christ, but he's been worshiping the Egyptian moon god for the past 15 years. Plus he's been also practicing some other occult activities. So worshiping a moon god. So kids, just so you'll know, even though you can't see it, in this area or this, this, um, in your bedroom, if you secretly kind of through the internet or something like that, start like researching those things, don't dabble with that. Those are real, actual beings, they are created beings that God in His providence or God in His sovereignty has allowed, but um, they're real, even though we may not be able to see them. So, this guy's worshiping this thing, it's not a god, it's a demon, and then also practicing other occult things, little dabbling. Um, now, this guy said, now, I'm not the most charismatic guy in the world, but I'm happy to help someone come to Christ, even if it means wading through some weird waters. So I called up two of the brothers in our church who, are, who have a little more experience with this stuff. They're two Nigerian guys, second generation Nigerians. So we met up at the building. As we're walking into the church building, Eric's legs just completely give out. So I put his arm over my shoulders and I'm carrying him inside. And after we made it into the sanctuary, we sat down. So I just started opening up with a prayer. I didn't expect what was going to happen next, but we ended up praying for over an hour and a half. Eric falls on the ground. He goes into convulsions. He's thriving in pain, screaming in pain. One of the Nigerian brothers starts speaking in tongues. So right now, just pause right there. You all right with that? I mean, that, that... Southern Seminary, we didn't have a class on this. Like, what do you do in this? You know, like, I, I go back to like South football days, probably. Like, like I'm going to tackle them, hold him to the ground. I don't know. And so, and I've been in two or three scenarios where demonic stuff happens. And Jamie and I went to a hospital one time and a person had tried to commit suicide. And a sweet little couple, a sweet little wife, she was probably 90 pounds. And her husband's standing there beside us and we're praying. And I said, well, hey, we want to pray for her. And uh, she had tried to commit suicide and no one knew anything was wrong. I touch her feet. And I start praying, she's like comatose in the hospital bed. And all of a sudden, like, like out of her. And i it scared me. And so, I, I mean, I'm just like, oh my gosh, are we going to die here? So I just tuck in and grab tighter. Husband's a little embarrassed. This, it, this kind of growling goes on. And so you just kind of walk out afterwards. Jamie and I are like... Uh, let's go get uh, you know ice cream from Sonic and go over to Greg and Gwen's house and ask them what just happened. And so this happens with this guy. And so I've had two or three of those scenarios where people called and said, "Hey, there's there's some demonic stuff going on." You kind of always like, "Oh my gosh, you know what's going to happen?" It makes you a little nervous, and it's just power. It's a powerful thing to know that it's not about you. It's it's Jesus dealing with this. So this guy um, is doing all these things. Now now you're your church person he starts speaking in tongues. Are you even okay with that? Yeah, you know, like, oh, we need to stop. Eric, stop it. This guy starts speaking to him. I don't know how I feel about that. So you can imagine all that's going on, right? Um, and then um, we were quoting scripture, praying, and then we started telling him, you have to say Jesus is Lord. You have to say Jesus is Lord. And so that's kind of a common practice. After about 10 minutes, he does this weird horror movie crawling thing where he tried to crawl into the row of chairs and lift up the whole row of chairs. So I had to forcibly grab him, hold him to the ground, as we continue to pray, telling him, start saying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Um, he tried to bite me. Another one. Like, that's not part of the plan, right? Like, <laughs> at what point do you go, we're out? Like, sorry, you two handle it. And so he said, at that point, I have to hold his hands to the ground and then push his face onto the ground. So this is going on in this little church. And so at this point, he started screaming profanity. His eyes were rolling back doing something crazy I can't even describe, But then he lets out this huge scream an hour and a half later and chanting, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus Lord. A few minutes later, he was laying prostrate on the ground, repeating the words of the sinner's prayer and trusting Christ with his entire life. He renounced all other gods, false gods, and received Christ as Lord and King. He's getting baptized this Sunday with a couple of other people who had not near as dramatic experiences. So are you okay with that? Like, are, are, are we going, hey, God, man, what do you want to do? Are there people that look really nice and own businesses or have really good jobs that that they've been practicing some stuff or they practiced stuff maybe years ago and got married and now there's, there's, their soul is entitled, is tied into a slavery in the spiritual realm, in a supernatural realm. So we need to think through those things. Um. The third thing that I wanted to bring is just those transitions. I'm not going to spend a lot of time because we've really hit these hard, but first of all, uh, just the idea of the power of the Holy Spirit going from the apostles to the body of Christ, that priesthood of all believers. And I would ask you, again, when you walk away, what do I learn from Acts? I mean, so, so one thing is priesthood of all believers. What's the significance for my life? What, what am I doing? Not just I come and I do the, the children's, uh, sojourn kids on a schedule. Uh, we, we come to small group, so, so priesthood of all believers, are there people that, that may walk in our door, whether we're in this building or on in a new place, or are we hospitable to people? Are we willing to serve? When we hear about someone's needs, do we go, oh, let's pray about that? Or do we step forward? Like, I, I've got something, maybe this will help. Um, and so thinking through those things, the, the, the power of the, the Spirit working in the body of Christ, the priesthood of all believers Um, The Spirit's indwelling. The second thing, the Spirit's indwelling in New Testament church versus the intermittent ministry. Remember Old Testament, Holy Spirit would come upon David or come upon a prophet or come upon a person and then he would leave. Now the Holy Spirit indwells us. That's difficult to understand how we have indwelling sin and the Holy Spirit in us. I know it's difficult, but that is the New Testament church. Um, Then third, um, witnesses inside Jerusalem moving to witnesses outside of Jerusalem. We saw that moving to Judea. So the gospel is going to all peoples, languages, ethnicities, the whole world. Again, as a church, what's the significance of that for us? We just sent a whole bunch of of goods to Mike and Jess overseas. Man, That that means the world, not just the snacks or the, the razors. It's like, man, we feel connected. We feel loved by these people that are miles and miles away. And so what does that look like? Are we going to be sending people and launching people out to the nations? The significance. Um, From inner tribalism of Judaism and their practices to to a new forming Christian theology. Um, What they had been taught and what they thought was godly was not godly. And so that's a difficult thing. And so we've got to think through those things. And how is that significant for us? Um, we, we must always be guarding against conformity to the world. So Romans 12, 1 and 2. You know, so this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world. but Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we will always want to be guarding against sin and, and just being okay with the, the world's culture and, and sinful culture. At the same time, if we jump the tracks and we become, well, uh, they go to movies. We, here's, our, here's our rule. We can't go to movies oh, hey, they dress this way, we can never dress this way. Hey, they do this, we have to do this over here. And so you also have to guard against church culture conformity. And so some of y'all have been a part of that. We've seen that. We've been at places where it was just like, man, it's just a, the, the, the expectation for every family has to look the same thing on all these things. And it was just clearly like, man, you're, you're ungodly, and they're pitiful if they're not doing that. And, and then you see 20 years later, 30 years later, that thing blows up. It, it wrecks and it wasn't, it wasn't the gospel. It wasn't Christ. It wasn't what we just sang about. Just, just yet in Christ, that's it. It was these man-made rules on top of that. And so you have to guard from those two ditches. And also the, bigger, the biggest thing is from Old Covenant to New Covenant. I've got a slide there about that. Jeremiah 31, you guys know, the New Covenant. I'm going to write my word within them, my law within them. I'm going to write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. So that's why we talk about a conviction of the heart, where a confession, agreeing with God, then there's repentance. I want to turn from my sin. And that's repeatedly, not just the first time you get saved, but then repeatedly. Um, and it ends up leading to renewal, reconciliation. So the first time just it's true regeneration. So that's salvation. The Holy Spirit breathes new life. that's regeneration. And then there's ongoing repentance and faith where you're resting in Christ. You're learning not about not my about my deeds. My obedience matters, my holiness matters, but I can't do anything to make God um, send more love my way or I can't stack up my little love you notes to God to prove to him this. I'm as much accepted as I could ever be um, and because if you don't then it's says oh this week was bad God hates me this week was okay God kinda accepts me God really doesn't love me God God really has to like put up with him because of Jesus and you don't want that that's that's a very distance God and so um, leading to rejoicing and worship and so uh, Luke Jesus talks about the same thing and so those are those transitions we've seen and then the fourth thing is um, now it's our time in God's redemptive history, Um, our time in God's redemptive purposes. So so think through. For 2020, 2025, God said, Peter and Paul, David, Abraham, I I don't want them in the game right now. They're going to be foundational. They're going to be there. I want these people in the game with 8 billion people. Now, I don't put so much emphasis on that, like we're greater and that we're so much more powerful or we're, we're more holy or anything like that. Maybe we're the weak ones. We needed air conditioning and comfortable seats and vehicles, you know, and so like Flintstones where you're using your feet. I don't know if that's real. And so, the, the, but anyway, like we don't, we, we, we're gonna live in a world where maybe the way that we're wired, God gets salvation to more people through our lives, our abilities, our intellect, our um, um, different things. What you don't wanna look at is that, um, that we begin to become so comfortable and, and so um, entertained that the church's mission and the church's DNA is all about just more of my comfort, more of my own pursuits. And so um, that, that, that could easily happen in our time. Um, your life is writing a story. So that, that that's us, us together. We do not know how one relationship one child, you know, a handful of kids go on and, and, and take on the world and be, are launched out into all kinds of uh, areas of service in the world for the kingdom. Um, we're a part of God's redemptive purposes. So your life matters in ushering people and pointing people to salvation in Christ. Um, we don't want to face him one day and him to go, man, you, you just got consumed by all these other things. You're consumed, and especially you got consumed by sinful things. There's going to be tens of millions of Americans who he's just going to say, "Depart from me." You never knew me. You, you did this comfortable thing in this quick sinner's prayer, and it meant, meant nothing. Um, and so, in the same way, in Acts chapter one, where they come with that question, "Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom?" I think we're clearly at a point in our own country. You're seeing it, even if you, if you didn't even tune into secular news, if just, just even churches and church leaderships. Um, Jesus told them, it's not for you to know the times and seasons. I think there'll be a nuance to their question. Lord, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? I think that we're asking similar questions. Lord, will you at this time make this a little bit easier for us and rid us of all the cultural junk going on? Lord, will you just make that easier? Lord, at this time, um, would you make it easier for our country to just be all... Uh, applying the Bible just like we like to apply the Bible. Lord, at this time, will you just make it easier by taking away all the problems of the economy and these politics and all these um, gender wars and all these cultural wars? Will you just make it easier? He's going, No, I want you right in the middle of that. I saw that coming. And again, just a little bit of history and you understand that's always happened. That's what the disciples, we want to make this easier. Overthrow Rome restore us to where we have it comfortable and he, he wasn't into that he's going no you're, you're getting your eyes fixed on the world in that way instead of the kingdom in the middle of that i want to grow my kingdom in the middle of that his answer to them was you go and be faithful witnesses in a culture in a world who, who don't even know me and they and a the second thing they don't even know that they need rescuing um, when you're looking at where we're at in the Bible belt right now just that that people it's hard to get people saved who believe they're already okay with God literally you know, 98 out of 100 homes in our neighborhoods fine with smokers going walking the dogs washing the cars cleaning out the garage many conversations about but oh we're fine don't don't misunderstand like we I know Jesus died for sins But it doesn't matter to them; they're okay. They think they're grandfathered in. Um, He points them in their day to living for um, him specifically. So, as we do the walkaways at the end, there, I just want you to consider um, what will you take away from our time in Acts. Remember, the reason we're going through Acts is not a history lesson and not just theological points. We're not hoping to store away bullet points of knowledge. Uh, We're asking and believing and wanting much more from the Spirit. We're believing that God could do some powerful things to reach people around us, that God would do some powerful things in our own lives to change us. Um, We're asking the same God, the same Spirit, the same Jesus to work powerfully through the gospel, to burst through some invisible warfare in our current time, some clogs of systems of comfort, systems of convenience, systems of apathy, systems of entrenched, entitled self-protection to go and wake up dead souls and to continue to change us in the process. So for his glory and worship and for the good of those people around us. So that last question I always posed at the first there was, was Jesus and his cross only meant to be a token for your security or is Jesus and his cross a radically dangerous and captivating person who confronts and kills and controls your plans for life. Those are two radically different pathways of following Christ. Um, And so I would ask you to walk away, think through those things. As we uh, graduate through our time of Acts, we're not finished with it. Hopefully, Lord willing, we'll be able to come back um, next spring and go back to to the part two. Um, As Brad comes up, let me uh, pray. Uh, But I want you to consider some of those things. What does that look like for me as the body of Christ? What does that look like for us? Um, if we're in a, in a place where we begin to get some more visitors and we're in a space where um, we start seeing some different people come, what does that look like for us? Do we just kind of duck our heads in the sand? Or are we seeing it as the body of Christ, here's what this looks like. Here's what um, serving one another, loving one another, those things look like. What, what's my role? Um, there's different seasons of life that, that our church is in. And so as we move forward, thinking through and asking the Spirit to do more in our own lives, to make us aware, self-aware of some of those things about us, but also self-aware of the scenarios we're in. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, Brad will lead, and then uh, uh, Tyler will be up to do the Lord's Supper. Father, we are thankful for um, just this time in Acts. What a what a gift. What a beautiful thing. Um, again, even the the heart-wrenching, um, scary um, uh Horrible images of Stephen being martyred there, but yet um, it can only be beautiful for Stephen's family and for us today if Acts 1-8 is true, that you said um, you were gonna send witnesses out. Through persecution or through uh, prosperity, Lord, we, we ask for you to um, continue to grow your church, to continue to raise up the kingdom of God. Um, it doesn't look pretty, it, it wasn't ever supposed to. That will be heaven. Um, But we pray that you would help us to be a people that treasure you, that love one another well, and that um, are constantly fighting against idols and patterns of sin in our hearts. That you would give those beautiful gifts of uh, conviction and repentance and confession that would lead to um, beautiful renewal and rest and rejoicing. We thank you for our body. We thank you for um, a time of studying this together. We pray that you would do a powerful work in our lives and in this area that we would be sending off people to different places uh, for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.